Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hello, Disruptive CEO Nation. This is Allison Kay, and we are with a fantastic woman entrepreneur. She is so energetic and has accomplished so much. She is a 4X founder. She was also named in 2018 as one of Inc.'s magazine's 100 female founders. And what I really love about her, though, aside from all these great credentials, is if you go and connect with her on LinkedIn, it says that she's crazy enough to believe she can change the world. And so with that, uh, Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Allison. Thanks for having me. So tell our listeners uh, who you are and what it is that you are invested in doing today. Definitely. So, you know, as you introduced, was so nice. Um, Dawn Dixon, and I am, a, I consider myself to be a still entrepreneur because I've been an entrepreneur now. This is my 18th year. So, basically, my entire career started my first company in 2001. It was a tech company. And now, currently, I'm building another tech company that I started in 2012 called Popcom, and it's an automated retail technology company. So, in simpler terms, we build hardware and software for self-service retail, like vending machines and digital kiosks. And so is there, um, what was your passion point to say, we, we need to really go big on this pomp, Popcom endeavor? I mean, it really stemmed, Popcom stemmed from my work with another startup that I, or company that I started called Flat Out Appeals, and they're rollable, foldable ballet flats for women to wear when their feet hurt, when our feet hurt after wearing high heels for hours. And when I started that business in 2011, um, the entire concept around that business was to sell these flats in vending machines at nightclubs, airports, convention centers. So that's how I got into the vending business as an operator, just selling my products in vending machines. But as an operator and a retailer in vending, I, I experienced the pain point that uh, vending machines and, and now, which has expanded to digital kiosks, they don't collect any customer data. There's no way for the retailer to understand metrics, customer behaviors, and, and traffic patterns the way that we understand it on e-commerce. And so after really spending a couple of years digging deep into the industry, trying to find a solution that I could use and I could integrate, I couldn't find anything. So being an entrepreneur that I am, I decided to invent something to solve the problem that I was experiencing. So that's what led me to this because it is like random for me to be in vending after going to school for IT and journalism and other things, but it really was because of a pain I experienced. And I, I just love it because if you, if you go to your website, popcom.shop, uh, it says say goodbye to low IQ vending machines and say hello to powerful customer data. Um, yeah. And so I'm intrigued by, by all of that. So, so tell us how it collects the data. Definitely. So um, the first step for me was try to figure out what is the physical brick and mortar uh, representation of an IP address. So you know when we're online as an as a e-commerce retailer, use IP address to understand if your customer converted or not, to remarket, retarget them, to know where they're shopping from, you know, as far as geolocation. 
and you know collect as much data as possible from that IP address, repeat customers, et cetera. So the closest thing to that um, is actually the physical human body, is the, the person. So we use facial recognition specifically for counting people, counting traffic. So there's cameras on the vending machines, like everywhere else in the world that we go now. And the cameras count the number of people that walk by and compare it against sales data to then analyze conversion rates, which is the first time ever conversion rates are being calculated on a vending machine. Then we also use that same uh, face recognition to identify traffic patterns from demographic data and age data, you know, including age and gender. So it's, a, it's an approximate um, age and gender, about 92% accurate. Uh, so gender identifying and then age, just, you know, a guess. And that helps us to really understand who the customer is, how they're transacting, how they're shopping, and also deliver targeted messaging and content, product suggestions, advertising to the customer based on their demographic profile. Also help retailers identify what are the best venues to place their vending machine based on the traffic pattern and demographic profile of the customers in that venue, which is currently not being done today at all. And do you do you find that people, um, and of course this wouldn't be me based on the audience and, and the wonderful entrepreneurs I talk to, but do you find people find um, this creepy <laughs> that they find it's like too much or an invasion of privacy? I mean, it is in a public space where you're placing. I mean, if you if 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 you have an iPhone or an Android, it's no different. You know, your phone's listening to you all day long and taking pictures in every place you go, anywhere in America, you're on camera. So I think that face recognition has been extremely normalized in the past mm -hmm. three to five years, thanks to iPhone, Android, Instagram, Snapchat, and things like Clear, where you can use scan your eye or your fingerprint to get through TSA quicker. So this generation that we're building software, primarily targeting the millennials and the, and the following generations that this is all they know. I mean, this is all they know with their their faces being captured. They're putting doggy ears and pig faces on their face all day long, and that's face recognition. And they're using Facebook, you know. So I come from a generation that this is not nor this was not normal. So it took some adoption, but no, I've I've really learned that that younger people, the younger generation, are willing to, um, you know, share data for convenience, and and they're not as concerned about being on camera, but they are concerned about their their privacy so we utilize blockchain to make sure that the data we collect is anonymized and and the customer identifying data is only shared with the customer's permission because it's stored on the blockchain and only used only unlocked by their private key um, using a smart contract and a qr code thank you so much for explaining that because as you said i'm i'm very comfortable and having spent years more um, with a marketing twist in my career um you know data is everything and and the more you can use it and, and also for good like I like to think about it as data for good because you're not you're you're as you said you can place you can help the people who utilize um, popcom and these kiosks in places where it's solving a need where the customers are like yes I need that here it is and I would totally be when you talk about flat out of heels um, as a global traveler I, I totally would be like, oh yeah, I'm in an airport. I want that now. Or I've just spent 12 hours in business meetings. I've done business dinners. I'm now out at after evening events. I'd be like, yeah, bring bring that on for me. Um, so Don, I want to I want to if we could take a step back to 
when you were first building your teams, because you are very clearly a, a big dreamer and, and you're a vision person and you had to build this, this team. And if we go to uh, your website, we can see um, a bunch of your lovely team members. So how did you yeah. go about finding the tech partners that were going to bring this to life? I mean, it definitely took trial and error and a lot of time. You know, I wish it was really easy, but it's not just about finding talented people and skill set, but about finding the right people for your culture, culture fit, and then who see the vision, especially when you're a startup, people that will be around maybe when, you know, they run out of money. Will they still hang around? Will they still believe in it? So um, I really pick team members based on that, based on culture, based on um I really wanted to work with other entrepreneurs who understand entrepreneurship. I was getting a lot of applications from corporate tech people and working in a corporate tech environment, skill set may be the same, but very, very different culture than a startup environment. So everyone that's on my team has experience in startups specifically, and most of them are also founders themselves, which helps to just, you know, be easy, be easier to relate. But we definitely went through a few teams and a few people before we got the right fit. And now I definitely feel like we have, you know, what I call our dream team to get this done. Well, and thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing that piece of your story. Now, there's another element to Popcom that I find so exciting. And, and that is you want to share wealth creation with a lot of people. So can you tell us about how you're going about your fundraising right now? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, over the past, since we, we bootstrapped for the first few years and we started raising money in 2017 and we raised um, in our first round, we raised over a million dollars. So a little under $1.1 million. And then um, when it was time to raise money again, uh, I decided to utilize a new, a new law that allows startup founders to raise from non-accredited investors up to a million dollars, a million and seventy thousand dollars a year. And so just to give you a little background, non-accredited versus accredited, um, accredited investor is someone with a million dollars net worth. They uh, generate $200,000 a year as, um, as an individual or $300,000 a year as a couple as reported on your income taxes over two years. So generally, you, these people are wealthy people or uh, financially um, affluent individuals. And these are the people that are able to generally invest in early stage tech deals. These are the people that you have to be rich to invest, basically. But in 2012, President Obama passed a law uh, called the Jobs Act, Jumpstart Our Business Startups, which uh, challenged SEC rules around accredited investors and who you could get your capital from. Because a lot of um, investors, especially, excuse me, a lot of founders, especially people of color and, and other underrepresented communities, they don't have access to a pool of accredited investors to raise money from. And so they have to be able to pull from their friends, family, and their immediate network. And so even though I do have a pool of accredited investors and I have raised over a million dollars from them, it was really important for me to open up my company to my network, friends, family, and other uh, non-accredited investors that really want to get in early stage tech, tech deals, take the risk, the high risk with every investment is a risk, but the higher risk, the earlier stage, but also the larger rewards, the earlier that you get in. And so this is what we're doing on Start Engine, which is the first platform that was approved for um, raising equity um, in this way through a, a, what I'm doing is a secure token offering, which essentially um, turned my shares into tokens 
and what that does is it, they function the same way as sharing a token, but with a share, um, you have to hold it until the company has a, a exit event or IPO or they sell the company. But with tokens, the company can list the tokens on an exchange to allow the investors to get liquidity, which means sell them or or buy more, which is a very, very new groundbreaking thing that is being done in startups now. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that um, because I'm, I admit, as we're doing this interview, I'm not as familiar with the token system um, as I know, as you said, when you go to Start Engine and look at what you're doing for fundraising, it explains that um, a bit more. So um, thank you for bringing that forward. And that's something that people, should people feel comfortable with this token system? Yeah, I mean, if, if if they are feel comfortable investing in a share, it's, it's a very, it's the same functionality. It's, a, it's just a different word because instead of you having a share and you get a certificate, you know, you'll get a, in, in the mail a certificate or you'll just be on a cap table. You have tokens and they're actually yours and they're in your wallet and you have possession of something that represents the share. Prior to that, it's just a stock, a stock certificate. So the, the, the behavior of the investment instrument is the same, but, you know, technology and, and, and things are changing the way, not only the way we transact and do business and, you know, store data, but also the way that we can invest. So thank you for sharing about Popcom. I know it's, it's been in a lot of press and I encourage people to, to take a look. Let's, let's go back a little bit to, um, you know, in, in your history and in your founder story, because like we said, you started with a, a degree in broadcast journalism, and then you went and added on the technology. Um, but as a, a, a serial entrepreneur, what are some tips and, and some advice or lessons learned um, that you would share with the entrepreneurs who might be listening to this episode today? I mean, my number one advice is always understand your market. Um, who your customers are, the market opportunity, how large this can really get, um, how, you, how you're going to scale, because then that, again, helps you to understand how much money that you need to operate the business and how much money that you need to raise, if at all, and um, how, you know, we hear all the hype around like VCs and raising money from VCs, but there's many other ways to capitalize your business. And so everyone wants to go out and get investors, but a lot of things come along with that. So I always tell founders to just be really clear on your business model um, and how you're going to scale so you understand, you know, how you're going to keep it going. And, and that comes from doing customer discovery and digging deep into the industry and really becoming an industry expert in what you're doing. There's a lot of good ideas out there, good ideas every single day, all day long. But it's about execution, and the only way to execute that is to have a solid understanding of the market and a solid plan. Well, thank you so much. Where Where's the future going to take you? Where, If we come back and, and talk to you in the next uh, three to five years, um, what do you hope? Because you said you're crazy enough to want to change the world. Yeah, thanks for asking that. You know, my hope and what I'm working towards is to um, build a company that is very desirable for a large company to acquire. I have some acquisition targets in mind and, you know, I know that what we're building will be beneficial for another company to really come in and, and scale it. And uh, me, I, I'm very 
interested in going on as as an educator, as an investor, as an advisor. I'm currently entrepreneur in residence for a program program called Lighthouse, which has an accelerator program called New Me. So I, I teach at the accelerator. So everything that I'm talking about, you know, now you ask me my advice, I go really deep in that and actually get to work with entrepreneurs and teach them. I also have a podcast called Bars, B-A-R-S, and it's on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And it's really an educational podcast um, based, you know, with a hip hop flavor to it that educates founders about really everything I had to learn the hard way. So I'm really passionate about, you know, after now spending 18 years of my life as a founder, I've learned a lot and want to share everything that I know to help people will not make the same mistakes that I did. Well, and I think that leads to uh, my usual great next question is if people want to connect with you and they want to learn more, um, tell us your podcast again in case they didn't get to make note the first time you said it and, and where should people go to, to find more information? Definitely. So the podcast is called Bars, B-A-R-S, and it's on Spotify, Google, and um, Apple Music. Likely you can find it by typing in my name, Dawn Dixon, D-I-C-K-S-O-N. I'm also Dawn Dixon on every single social media platform that you can think of. We're on there. And um, you can find more about our current crowdfunding campaign um, at startengine.com forward slash popscom. And it's only a, it's a total of a 90 day campaign. So by the time you all hear this, I'm not sure how many days will be left. But um, right now, as of today, we have only about three or four weeks left. So um, that's a great way to just find out how to invest. And not only in Popcom, but there's tons of other startups on there that are raising money. So I encourage people to find what you're interested in. And, you know, if you have some extra money to invest, definitely look into startups as an option now that it's available for us. Don, thank you so much for sharing your story. I I really appreciated. There were some great pieces of wisdom. I think, um, you know, the the technology aspect all makes so much sense, and I can envision so many companies that could could benefit from the tool and this resource you're putting out into the world. So so thank you so much, and and thank you for being um, a strong. Uh, you know, female leader and advisor to other entrepreneurs through Lighthouse and Bars and other ways. Um, so thank you for being a part of this episode. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your efforts to bring female founders and founders to the forefront and help us share our story. So thank you so much. So to our audience, if Dawn said something that you really liked, send her a note and let her know. If you think there's somebody else that needs to hear this message or hear about um, the business model for Popcom or raising money through Start Engine, uh, please forward the news about this podcast. Um, until the next time, keep your eye on the future. Thank you. Thank you again, Dawn. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.